Hey, church family. Welcome back to another Leroy UMC podcast. Well, the season of Lent is upon us. And this week, Pastor Matthias is preaching on why we worship. Let's send it over to the pastor. And for those who were here on uh, Ash Wednesday, you got a little bit of a sneak peek, but basically the idea for this worship series is that Lent is not just a sad, somber time. It's not just a time when we uh, recite depressing psalms or give up things that we enjoy to show God how sorry we are, but Lent is also a time of preparation. We commit to new practices and new disciplines. We let go of old habits because we expect more out of life, more out of the world, more out of ourselves. And so throughout this series, we'll be taking a look each Sunday at the most fundamental things that our God expects of us as we expect more from life. And the first thing that we are taking a look at is maybe the most fundamental thing of all, uh, we are taking a look at worship uh, and why that is an expected part of our discipline, of our walk as Christians. And our scripture passage, as we take a look at that, comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 15, verses 19 to 21. Friends, listen now for the word of the Lord. When the horses of Pharaoh, with his chariots and his chariot drivers, went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then the prophet Miriam, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and with dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. After about 400 years of slavery, after witnessing the 10 plagues of Egypt, and after just barely escaping the Egyptian military when Moses parted the Red Sea and when the sea closed back on the Egyptians in Exodus 15, the Israelites, for the first time in centuries, found themselves free. For the first time, there was no taskmaster over them. There was no list of labors. There was no tyrannical pharaoh. They could do anything they wanted. They could go anywhere they chose. They could become anyone they dreamed of. And in this glorious moment of liberation, the very first thing that the Israelites do is worship. Verse 20, Miriam took a tambourine and began to lead all the people. Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. The Israelites worship, and the only thing that a sensible, practical 21st century person can wonder is, why? I mean, I love worship. Don't get me wrong. It is one of the best parts of my job. Worship is great, but that is the first thing that they do. 
I mean, you'd think there were some more urgent matters to deal with, like, oh, I don't know, for instance, finding food for 50,000 starving people, or finding clean water, figuring out transportation logistics, organizing a system of government, and maybe even just figuring out where they are in this massive wilderness. And that goes without mentioning all the things they might want now that they're free. A country, a land, security, prosperity, happiness, all of it. The list of things that the people need to do and the list of things the people want is endless and worship for all intents and purposes got them none of it. Stranger still is the fact that even before all this happens, even before the people were freed and had crossed the Red Sea back in Egypt, worship is the reason Moses told Pharaoh to let the people go in the first place. That's a detail about the Exodus story that always gets left out of Hollywood movies like The Prince of Egypt or The Ten Commandments. Whenever in the actual story Moses went to Pharaoh to famously say, let my people go, it wasn't just so the people could be free, but it was always because God said, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. God expected them to worship. God expected the people to worship. God demanded that they leave Egypt in order to be able to do so. And in chapter 15, they finally do it. Worship is the first thing they do once they are actually free. And it makes no logical sense. Why would God expect the people to worship more than God would expect the people to be happy, to be safe, to be prosperous? Why would the people choose to do that at that moment of all times? What could they possibly get from worship? And maybe that's the real question that Exodus 15 poses. Why would God demand and expect the, it, the people to worship when there doesn't seem to be anything that the Israelites could get from it. When most people today talk about worship, most people talk about worship in terms of what they get from it. In 21st century America, people tend to say they go or don't go to worship because they feel lifted by the music or filled up and inspired by the prayers or recharged by an idea from the sermon, get time with friends, get this or get that. And I know, I know that sounds really cynical and pessimistic, but it's also something I imagine we all know is true. We're just being honest, how many of us have heard friends or family members or neighbors who complained about how they didn't get anything out of that preacher, that style of music, that Bible study, so they're going to try a different church? How many times have we heard someone say they don't go to church anymore altogether because they get more from their time worshiping by walking in the woods? And how many times have we maybe caught ourselves wondering what we get from that service? 
God knows I've found myself wondering that sometimes. It's not pleasant, but it is a simple reality that in a consumer society that teaches us to think about what we want, what we need, what our preferences are, worship has for many people become optional because if I don't get something from it, then I don't have to do it. That's the 21st century consumer mindset, and it's a mindset that many Christians and even worship leaders have found themselves wrestling with, maybe especially coming out of COVID. I read an article this week by a worship coordinator named Nancy Janish, uh, who leads a large church up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And while wrestling with her own motivation for going to church, for going to worship each Sunday, uh, Nancy wrote this. She said, I used to be someone who went to worship to fill up spiritually for the week ahead. I wanted to have something to carry with me, wisdom from the sermon, a particular hymn, a prayer, something to guide me. My focus, sadly, was on myself. What I got out of worship. I worshipped to receive. But after realizing that her main motivation for going to church was to get something out of it, Nancy says that over time, that motivation began to shift little by little. She said that her reason for going to church shifted from wanting to get something out of it to just wanting to participate in it. From wondering if the service or the sermon or the music met her standards to wondering what God thought of it. And from needing to feel a certain way to just needing to be present. And as that mindset and that motivation changed over the years, worship itself started to change for her. Worship, she said, became the one place in her weekly life where she wasn't the center of the universe and where she didn't have to worry about her wants or her needs. Worship became the one place in her busy schedule when she could take off the public mask that she had to wear for everybody else all the time and could simply stand in God's presence to confess, to sing, to listen, to whatever her heart, to do whatever her heart needed. And after enough time, ultimately, worship went from being just another moment in her life when she expected to get something to being the one moment when she expected to be someone. That may be why the Israelites worshipped. Standing on the far shore of the Red Sea with a vast wilderness ahead of them, Miriam didn't grab a tambourine and the people didn't pause their busy lives to sing because they expected to get something more from it, land, a home, a feeling, but because they expected to be someone more through it. That's the thing about worship, about church, about this illogical thing that we do once a week, 
God doesn't expect us to worship because God expects us to get something. No, God expects us to worship one hour every week because for just one hour a week, God expects us to be someone to God. To spend just one of the, hun- of the 168 hours that our God gives us freely each week, spend one of those hours when we can be still and remember the good news that we are not the center of the universe. It is not all on us. To have one hour when we can listen to a God who tells us again and again that it's not what we want or what we can achieve that matters. It's who God says we are that counts. A forgiven and reconciled people. And one hour to let go of all the things that we expect to get and to be left only with the new life that we expect to find. That is what is at the heart of every worship service. Not our wants or our goals, but the God who calls us to come and be new. That is why we worship every Sunday. That is why we have technology and subscriptions to broadcast the worship service to brothers and sisters who can't always be here in person, but who join us every week online. That's why we create podcasts and digital devotionals that people can download so that they can worship even when they have to work or even when they have to travel on a Sunday morning. Because in this busy modern world that tells us that I am the center of the universe, God asks us, God expects us to carve out just one moment each week when we can remember that our life is not about what we can get out of it. Our life is about the new life we expect with God. That's the beauty of worship. That's the real power of it, and that is why worship is at the heart of what we do as disciples of Jesus Christ. In a culture that tells us it is all on our shoulders Worship is the one time when you do not have to worry about achieving, working, fighting, or doing anything, but when you are instead expected to just be still and know that your worth isn't found in what you can do, but in who God says you are. In a society that teaches us to acquire, to get, To earn, worship is the one place where our wants, our preferences, where our will is secondary, but where you instead are expected to just listen to the good news about the miracles that Christ wants for you. And in a whole world that tells us to think about everything in terms of what I get from it, worship is the one moment when you are not expected to get anything, but when you instead place yourself in the presence of a God who expects only that you come and be truly alive. That is the miracle of worship. That's the gift of this moment that we get every week together. God expects us to worship not because God expects us 
to get something, to get our social interaction for the week, to get our musical preferences satisfied, to get our weekly dose of inspiration. Those are all wonderful things, and I always hope that you get those things from worship, but that's never the point of worship. The music, the sermon, the prayers, the fellowship time are all secondary. The real miracle at the heart of Sunday morning, whether it happens in person or online, is that worship is not about expecting to get something from God. Worship is about expecting to be someone with God. So in the end, no, it did not make logical sense for the Israelites to worship. Standing on the shore of the Red Sea, finally free, after 400 years of slavery, there was so much the people had to do, so much they wanted to achieve, so much they wanted to get and worship for all practical purposes, didn't get them any of it. And yet, God still expected them to worship because God expected them to expect something more, more than land, more than security, more than anything they might want. Their faith called them to expect to be God's children, to expect the new life that our God has in store for each one of us. Worship is sacred, worship is holy, and worship is expected because the miracle is we are the people who expect new life. And for one hour every week, in person or online or on a podcast, we are the people who join our hearts and minds together to find it. And thanks be to God for it. Amen. Friends, please pray with me. Lord, we hear your call to come and worship because we hear your call to come and be made new. God, give us the resolve, the discipline, the commitment to carve out time every week when we can come and be still in your presence. Let us worship as we get out of ourselves, out of our heads, out of our wants, and as we step into your grace and your vision of life. Lord, help us worship you not in the things we expect to get, but in all the ways we expect to be changed, to be remade, to be brought to life. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, we want to thank you for listening. From us here at Leroy UMC, be blessed and go in peace.